0: Welcome to Voices of Revenue, the podcast that covers the four topics that every non-revenue leader seeks to achieve. The SaaS B2B golden capital letters, profitability, productivity, predictability, and scalability. I'm Alicia Brocal, Senior Revenue Operations at ThinRebops, and today we will chat with Lisa Becchio. She's the VP Marketing at Aircool, and we will talk about making impact at scale. She's a great communicator and passionate about marketing and content. As a good storyteller, she deeply believes in marketing by design. In her extensive career, we find logos as Forrester, Expedia, Hotsuite, or currently Aircool. Such a path! It's a real pleasure to have you here as our first guest. Welcome to Voices of Revenue. It's a pleasure to have you here with us. Thank you, Alicia. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So you've been working for companies with each one in different business maturity, startups, scale-ups, and enterprise. What are the key lessons you've taken away when making an impact? My background's actually taken me to lots of different
1: companies. I started my career in the US with Wiley, actually a 200 year old company. So when you think about how much evolution they've had to go through, it was quite interesting. I was there for nine and a half years in the US and Australia. I transitioned to startup. So it was a really, really different transition from going to a really well-established organization to where I was actually their first head of marketing. And I had to build the function from the ground up. I then moved on though, to probably one of the biggest companies we all know, Expedia. So being wow. a very small fish in a big pond, wow. you're only really owning one slice of the pie, if you will, <laughs> when I had actually a lot of accountability prior to that. And then now I think I've found my sweet spot. So the last five years or so, I've been working for scale-ups in the 100 to 200 million ARR when it comes to revenues. They're in that next level of maturity where they're scaling to kind of become that grown-up business, if Mm -hmm. you will. And so from all of that, I've had the opportunity to reflect and think about when and how I'm able to bring change to an org. And so the question you ask is around status quo, Mm -hmm. And I love that because it's actually one of my core principles is making sure that we have the underlying notion that there should be no status quo. No one should be going into a role and thinking, I'm just here to tick boxes. Organizations are growing. They're built around driving revenue. And so Mm -hmm. if you're new to an org, it really is about what value you can bring to driving that change. So Mm -hmm. I would say there's a couple of things. Firstly, yes, there is no status quo, but in order to uncover how you make an impact, it's about asking the right questions A lot of times I think people can go into an organization saying, I'm going to change things just for the sake of being a disruptor. And that's not Mm. helpful. You don't want to bulldoze your way in. It's about not having assumptions, asking good questions. And then I think there's a level of accountability to make sure that you're looking under the hood. You're looking at the data. In my instance, being a marketer, I want to look at all the different marketing channels and how they're performing. And only then are you able to really identify where the opportunities are to change the status quo. Just to add to that, I think from my own experience working at smaller, less mature companies to maybe larger enterprises, there's differences in how you can do that. So I found that in smaller companies, and this is only my personal experience, of course, (laughs) I was able to have a bit more creativity, autonomy. I really felt like in these smaller orgs, I had more of a seat at the table. And I think it's because I don't want to use the word consensus, but you tend to have more... People in the room contributing to the Mm, the growth ideation. But on the flip side, it's high pressure. There's no guardrails. It's super fast paced. And they often use the phrase, you know, you're building the plane while you're flying it, which means for me, it was having the experience from big companies in these smaller orgs that I was able to add value. Mm. I'd say on the flip side with these bigger organizations, yes, they're known for being slow, political, erratic. Procurement can take ages, Mm -hmm. you've got more decision makers, but I'd say there's still opportunities to disrupt because these are the companies who need disruption, right? These are the companies that have to move with the times. Innovation. Exactly. And I think in these instances, it's about influence and relationships. And those are critical skills that I think everyone needs regardless of what size business you're going into. Mm -hmm. So
0: be the ambassador, I guess. Exactly. Actually, this is the first thing for me is super important. Like, understand how they work and try to optimize different parts of the business, but communication, democracy, and everyone has their own voice in the table. So that's important to share, to get this transparency.
1: You're not always going to agree either.
0: So that's why I think
1: (laughs) influence is the key word.
0: Yeah, exactly. Scaling businesses means technology, systems, data, processes. Did you experience the benefits of leveraging those assets? Absolutely. I think, you know, for me, I think one of the
1: benefits of having had so many different experiences is you're always taking something away with you to bring to the next one. So I'll give you an example. When I moved from a company I was in for almost 10 years to the Mm. first startup where I was their first head of marketing I knew right away after having some conversations that I needed to work on the brand or invest in the team. But really, one of the biggest opportunities was I was used to having much greater sales and marketing alignment in my old organization. So in this small startup, sales was used to selling purely based on relationships. There was no sales and marketing alignment. So one of the things that I did is really focused on, okay, how do we have pipeline reviews? How do we look at where our leads are coming from? What the value of those leads to sales are? How we can introduce new channels, look at the different intent. It totally changed the conversation. Mm -hmm. What I realized is we didn't have all the tools and I was used to having a lot more tools in a big business. And so one of the low hanging fruits was marketing automation, you know, bringing in a system that will allow us to be more efficient, be more segmented and targeted, have that information flow to the sales team in the CRM. In that instance, it was HubSpot. And then, you know, the story continues because then when I went to the next startup, I brought that with me and the next thing with okay. mean. So <laughs> you're kind of taking all the bits that make sense for the business you need, but it doesn't mean it has to be everything. It's about mm. the business size, maturity, you know, what they have in place, etc. Yeah, et cetera. exactly.
0: Everything aligned. have a retrospective of all the projects in which you have participated, how are you partnered with your revenue operations colleagues? Well, I love this question because... I think there's a
1: reason why I'm not in RevOps and they are, (laughs) and it's because they can solve for, I think, a skill set and a need that we have that I just can't do on my own. So, you know, I really see RevOps being that glue between marketing and sales and customer success and really giving us that underlying level of support. So in my instance, I'm using them or I'm partnering with them as a better way to word it, Uh, you know, for things such as segmentation, reporting we're at the end of the year here so we're talking about budget planning you know we're all in the same room right now working together i think even for key projects so i'm working on this core project with our sales leader around mapping the buyer journey right to look at where yeah. we can optimize and rev has been instrumental to this process because they provided us with the foundational data to look at how we want to approach the data and the different segments we're working with them to then think about the funnel optimization points yeah. and then actually once we map and understand what those are, we're going to need to partner with them to implement the systems, right? When we talk about whether we want to automate, whether we want to bring in ABM and targeted account lists, or mm. whatever the end result is going to be, they're an instrumental player with a seat at the table for these conversations.
0: I really love the company and the innovative way they're working. So bravo. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Every single company, a SaaS company has this amazing team. <laughs> Now, Lisa, we're going to focus on your personal and professional development. Looking back to your early stage of your career, what were your reasons for choosing the marketing path? I love this question. I love this question
1: so much because it's quite personal
0: to me because I like
1: to say that I'm a marketer by design. So I think that career paths aren't linear. People, they say they're squiggly career paths. And for me, I've had that within the marketing realm, but because I was really purposeful, I think when I was young. So going to university, it can put a lot of pressure on young individuals to decide what they want to be for the rest of their life. And equally I put that same pressure on myself. And I remember being in my university office like for the first week of school, and I said to myself, "I need to know what I can do to get joy from my career for the rest of my life. I felt yeah. like it was going to be forever. I think we all yeah. know now it doesn't have to be forever. People can do <laughs> career transitions. And so I wrote down, what is it that I like enjoy as an individual and how can I create a career out of that? So the first thing was, my family used to tell me, you're going to be a lawyer because you, <laughs> you're always negotiating and influencing <laughs> And I was like, well, I actually don't think that's a bad thing that I like to influence and negotiate. Now, how can I use Mm. that, you know, in my next thing? Because I know that being a lawyer isn't for me, you know, for many other reasons. Mm. Um, the second point was, you know, I'm quite social and I like planning. I like planning events and parties and holidays. And so <laughs> I thought to myself, how can I surround myself in this social environment where I'm able to organize, bringing people together? Right. And that's really mm. what that was about. And then the third thing is storytelling. I love writing stories and telling stories and really creating a narrative. And so when you blend mm. having influence, bringing people together and planning and organizing people's, and then storytelling and Thoughts, it actually brought me down this path of marketing and PR. And then I tried a lot. I tried different internships and it was like event planning and PR and everything. And do you know what? Looking at where I am now in a role that we call integrated marketing, it yeah. is now a blend of everything. So I've taken all of those experiences. And I think that's why I get joy out of where I am now is because I've created this path that had lots of squiggles and bumps and it wasn't always perfect. But mm-hmm. now it's brought me to a place where I enjoy it because it's true to who I am as a human and an individual as well. I'm not having to be someone different at work than I mm-hmm. am in real life as well.
0: Yeah. Lovely story. Actually, when you realize that you're at your place, it's like, I know who am I and I really want to work and to have this personal and professional Balance being always me and knowing this identity is like uh, just amazing, like knowing yourself and what you want to do. What advice would you give your younger self? To my younger self. Yeah. I think
1: connected to the last question, I would say, don't put so much pressure on yourself to climb. I think society puts that pressure on people. You know, we need to have this job title. We need to earn this amount of money. And while that's true to a degree to make sure that you can afford the things that you want and a happy, healthy lifestyle, I think it doesn't have to be the be all end-all so that's my first piece of advice the second is I would say to remain culturally curious and what I mean by that is I'm super passionate about working with international teams with traveling and understanding what makes people tick and the cultural relevance to where they're coming from and I think that makes people more open-minded it mm-hmm. makes people have healthier relationships and discussions and to kind of have more of a growth mindset the more you expose yourself to other people's and cultures so that's one that I personally believe in and I think is important to continue as I
0: uh,
1: yeah, move forward as well
0: we would love to ask you what made you proud of yourself or made you happy as a professional
1: nowadays this question definitely requires a little bit of soul-searching and I feel that, you know, based on even my past responses, it's taken me a long time to take that pressure off, right? Mm. To kind of lean into what my actual strengths are and embrace those and kind of be attuned to what those are. And knowing that I'm going to have weaknesses and that's when you outsource them or that's where you kind of look to partner with other people whose strength those are. And so. With all of that soul searching and trying, you know, different roles, different types of organizations, I've lived, you know, in different places around the world. I feel that now I'm at a place where I can be truly authentic. I think I know what I want from work, from family, from just kind of getting that really good balance there. Mm. And at the moment, I feel very content that I've achieved that. Now there's always going to be things that you can't anticipate that's going to change your world. But Mm. for now, I'm quite proud of the steps I've taken to be purposeful and to listen and take a step back to go, why has it worked the way it's worked? And what can I learn from that experience to build upon before I go into the next one? And so I do really feel that I'm authentic in work and out of work and really found a good balance. Wow. Amazing.
0: Yeah. Thank you very much, Lisa, for sharing all your knowledge and all your experience. About data processes, etc., different types of companies. But for me, the most important are uh, this last one, because you're working for a company, but also you need to be happy. And for me, having this advice from you is like a precious gift. Because today I'm realizing that coaching and that sharing experiences is the best way for growing.
1: Thank you for having me. And to be honest, I think the self discovery is only because of the coaches and the support and the mentors I've had in my life. This isn't me. This is going through the experiences I've had, the roles I've had, the people who've supported me, the people who haven't supported me and learning from those experiences as well. And so I really appreciate what you're trying to do with the Voice of Revenue podcast (laughs) and the organization to help marketers and different teams really be more impactful. So thank you.
0: Thank you very much for listening to our first episode and many thanks to Lisa. We are especially happy to publish our first episode with her. You can follow us on Spotify, LinkedIn and Instagram. And also, you can check our website, thingrebops.com. See you next month to discover our next voice of revenue.